0: Hello and welcome to What's Brewing, CISFA. What's Brewing, CISFA is a podcast produced for the California Community College's Student Financial Aid Administrators Association. I'm your host, Dennis Schrader. I serve as the 2021-22 CISFA past president. After yesterday's federal work-study job fair on my campus, Dana is worn out and I've sent her home early. So it's just you and me today. Let's get this show started. And welcome to another episode of What's Brewing, Sisfa. Let's start this show with our first cups. And I have to say, now that I've figured out how to work my uh, teapot here in the office, I'm having somebody's tea. I don't know what it is. It's chamomile, but my my staff keeps a lot of different tea in the office. I got one of those Instapots where it glows blue as it uh, slowly bubbles up and steams and is ready for you. So a little tea in the show hopefully will get us through. So like I said, Dana, I sent her home. She was pretty worn out. We had a job fair for our work study students. And it was a lot of work getting supervisors there, um, students who are interested in work-study, and hopefully matching them up well. But let's get into some other things today. I don't have a whole lot, so as I'll say right now, the show may be short, but as you know, I usually lie, and it ends up still being a regular-length show. For those who uh, have gotten this podcast... From any one of the downloadable sites, as it says, what's the name of the show? What season is it? Reporting season. Because it is, again, we're into reporting season. We have the Fizz app. We have our Sark report. And then for a couple of us out there in the universe who've either taken new jobs of our own or have new campus presidents or new administrators, we may be working on are PPA and IPA. So let's break down exactly what all these are. First and foremost, the FISAP, or F-I-S-A-P. It's both a report and a request to participate in what we call the campus-based aid programs. I think I've talked about this on recent shows because Federal Work Study is just one of, really, two remaining campus-based aid programs. The other is our federal supplemental educational opportunity grants. But between the two, they're what we call campus-based aid in the sense that not all schools have to participate, but if they do, they get an allocation to the campus with some rules and some guidelines that tell them how they can use that money. So, The federal government, you know, gives us money for a work study in SEOG or FSEOG, I'm sorry. And we can use that money then to, you know, allow students to work on campus, allow um, for SEOG, we get grants in a sense to our highest need students. But every year we have to do this report to show how we spent the money in the prior year. And then, in a sense, we're applying for the next year. So they actually ask us how much money we'd like to ask for. So I think this is where it came up in a prior show. If you only ask for about what you get every year, if something were to happen in the federal government dramatically increase the available funds or through other emergency reasons, um, increase the total pot of money available, you're not going to get more than what you requested. So most schools can always say they can use more federal work-study and FSEOG money. But that FIZ app report is due at the end of the month. So for my colleagues out there, don't forget to do it. The other report is a state report, what we call the SARC report, S-S-A-R-C-C. And basically, it's a summary of all the spending we've done um, of what our categorical funded for our office. So SARC is a thing from the chancellor's office. It's an online reporting system that again, about a third, maybe half, maybe a little less of the funding for my operations comes straight from the chancellor's office in a sense, like as a block grant to the school specifically to be used in the financial aid office. And so every year I have to then summarize how that was spent along with The funds from other accounts, like our general fund that we get from the state to the campus, where the campus has more control, but obviously spends money to pay for some of my people and travel and expenses and all, conferences and training. We have to summarize that all in our annual report. The reason it's coming up now is, of course, because the fiscal year for the state and the schools ends June 30th. So they give you some months to get the accounting all corrected. Uh, Sometimes if you're allowed to carry forward funds like we were in this last uh, cycle, you have a couple more months to spend off the money from the prior year. So I have to get my SARC report done in the next few weeks. Luckily, a lot of that is pretty much already in a system that's used on the campus and uh, is relatively easy to do. Other things, like I said... Uh, PPAs and IPAs. So, PPA is the Program Participation Agreement, which is the agreement between the school and the Department of Ed, federal Department of Ed, to offer federal financial aid. The IPA is the Institutional Participation Agreement, a slightly different name, same basic concept, and it's the agreement between the school and the California Student Aid Commission, the people who handle Cal Grants. The reason people might be making updates on this, because again, with retirements and people moving around, anytime you get a new college president or certain administrators are moving around like financial aid administrators, you have to update your agreements with the two organizations because they'll be sending uh, information to your president and to you on update cycles and when they want to review it or when it gets renewed. And so I'm in that cycle myself as I have a new interim president, and thus I need to update my PPA and IPA. But I know a lot of my colleagues out there are in the same boat. So just keep that in mind. That's why we are in the middle of reporting season. Other than that, I thought I'd report on a couple news-related items. First off, something I just read about and I could have used last night, um, is that I guess found out that the college board, the people who, uh, you know, they do testing and stuff like that, but they also handle what's called the College Scholarship Service Profile Form. The profile form, in a sense, is a form used by a little over 300 colleges nationwide to award institutional funds to students based on need. So, of course, we always have the FAFSA. The FAFSA is used for federal and state aid. For our Dreamer students, our undocumented students here in California, we have the California Dream Act application, or CADA, as we call it. But out there across the nation, mostly private schools use this profile form to award institutional need based aid. So, it's kind of like a FAFSA plus. And I do mean plus, it's extra. A whole lot more questions about income and assets. Uh, Information sometimes is required about businesses deeper than the FAFSA would go. Information about non-custodial parents and a divorce or separation, whereas the FAFSA might not ask for that. And so the form is, as I've always said when I do presentations, the only thing that you should pay for in the financial aid world to apply for financial aid. Because it's got a little bit of a cost. There's a cost to register. There's a cost to have the information sent to those schools. So if you're thinking of like Stanford, USC, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, University of Chicago, these are all schools that use the form, the profile form, in addition to, of course, the FAFSA form for federal and state aid. But what was announced? The form is going to be free this year for students in families with household incomes below $100,000. So this really is meant to encourage students planning to attend one of these colleges that uses the form to maximize their aid eligibility. The form is not a requirement. The FAFSA is really not either. But some students might just do the FAFSA because it's free and skip out on the profile where they should do it for a particular school. So this way, hopefully more students will do the forms for those colleges and not just skip over it. Now, there's been a fee waiver for lower income uh, cutoffs, but they really want more students to do the form. So hopefully this expands eligibility. Now, the other thing is also there are some private scholarship organizations that use the form, too, for their need-based part of you know, determining uh, criteria for their scholarship. So, get some new news out there. Again, the profile form, just like the FAFSA, does come out October 1st. One other news thing, and this was kind of interesting news in the sense that um, I didn't quite get the whole reason and rationale. I understand why it exists and all, but here's what it is. So, there was news regarding a letter from ACE, the American Council on Education. They're like this big lobby group on education, higher education here in the U.S., out in D.C. And this letter was signed off by NASA recently, and it's requesting Congress revisit the taxability of Pell Grants. So if you never knew, which most people don't know, and even when they know, they don't do anything... Portions of your Pell Grant could be taxable in a sense that if you have and are receiving Pell Grant above and beyond certain allowable costs like tuition, fees, etc. Which is why it might not affect a whole lot of students at schools that cost more than what they're getting in Pell Grant. Uh, conceivably, some portion of your Pell Grant could be taxable. Now, here's my take on this. It's really a question of really is this an important item at this point in higher ed to be worried about? I'd have to say, you know, in my 20-some years here in the field, I know of one student who reported some portion of their Pell Grant as income on their tax return. And I can't tell you for sure if they even did it correctly. They may have been trying to get an education credit or something like that, but in a sense, they'll lose out in the end. For those again, and I've worked in community colleges uh, for over twenty years of this time, we would have the highest potential between the difference of getting Pell Grant and a cost of a school being less than that. I just don't see uh, this being a really important thing, but apparently they do want to address it so that they can get it out of there. Probably because you know there may be down the line other potential. Uh, cases where different types of aid might play into this. You know, we've had a lot of emergency funds and stuff like that. Um, And so it could be a case that they want to address this up ahead of time. Now, on top of this, uh, you know, I caught this out on probably NASFA news today because, again, NASA had signed on to this letter from ACE. I want to spend a little time talking about information sourcing, where you get your information from uh, as far as, you know, being, um, you know, uh, uh, reliable, unbiased when possible, etc. But I think before we get into that, let's throw up a little music here on the board. And we'll get that in the next segment. And welcome back our second cup segment here on the What's Brewing Sees for Show. So in this segment, again, I just want to talk a little bit. We've talked about a a couple newsy items. I really want to talk a little bit about information sourcing and education, because I know among my colleagues and all, most of us are on the standard type listservs, still existing for those who are younger and wonder what a a listserv is. You know, the California Student Aid Commission maintains a number of them in particular, so you can get updates on when there are operations memos and special alerts. There are two ways of getting out to the community news about what's going on in the Student Aid Commission and in Cal Grants in particular. The State System Office has their listserv specifically for financial aid administrators. Uh, so generally, at least one or two people on every campus, including the director, maybe an assistant director, et cetera, signed up for that. And of course, uh, there's an old one called FinAID-L, which has been around forever, um, which is a very good source that people still use when they want to put out a question there and get some input on it. But also, I wanted to put out that there are other sources out there, too and i use this a lot uh, to find stuff for the show of course there's a chronicle for higher education there is inside higher ed those websites have been around for a while what's really nice is the people who made real clear politics has made real clear education and as a subtopic there they have higher education i'll say most of those articles revolve around the classroom and faculty and stuff like that and you know overarching topics about higher education but occasionally there's something in there about financial aid uh pell grants when they go up student loans because there's a lot of questions about uh, uh student borrowing uh and of course also information about free college because there's a lot of talk about doing you know free community college or other systems like that for students one magazine i get at home that is covers really K-12 through 12 and into higher ed, is called Education Next. It's produced, uh, I think, from the Hoover Institution, if I remember right. Um, that's probably why I got it, because I get other things from them too. But Education Next is a good one. National Affairs. The, it's a journal. comes out four times a year. It's like a little book. And almost always, there's at least one to, one of the topics, and it could be 10 to 15 pages, on something very specific to higher education. So anything from, you know, why does college cost so much to is free college a good idea? Uh, A very topical thing every three months. NASFA, if you're not getting your news from NASFA and if you're not a member, I will make a push for them even though I do not get paid by them. Uh, It's certainly worthwhile. On top of that, uh, lastly, at bookstores around here, um, I in particular know the Barnes & Noble's And uh, their education sections well, because that is generally where they stuff most higher education related books. Many of the things that I've just recently moved back into my office to fill up the bookshelves. Just a a variety of books related to higher education, when possible related to financial aid, as there are some books out there so that I can kind of keep up on things. Now, beyond that, just some general sources of information. I wanted to throw a couple out there. Um, one that's free: Library of Congress. The Library of Congress has a magazine. Now, as far as I know, it's only electronic in a PDF, but it is very good, and you can get it at loc.gov. Library of Congress, in a sense, uh, .gov. loc.gov. It's very interesting because they'll take long-form articles on a variety of things related to the Library of Congress. Again, like I said, this is general. This is not about education-specific, but some general topics out there. A good one just for California is calmatters.org. I know I've mentioned them before because they're a nonpartisan group that tracks what's going on governmentally here in the state of California. And so they've covered... Most recently, obviously, the recall election, Uh, you know, the drought, the fires, a lot about education in general, um, and a variety of other topics that have have been really on the top of our tongue, you know, on the tips of our tongues. You know, one thing I'll throw out there, uh, I do pay for some of my news. If someone ever wondered, I do pay for the Wall Street Journal, just the electronic version because... I've done it where I've done electronic and paper, and the paper just piles up, right? So I do pay for that. Um, I can't say that all free news is bad, but it is one of these things. <clears throat> when I talk to friends and I find out all they use is social media for news, it does give me a little concern you know, about whether you know, we're all good enough to be able to discern news from opinion or news from not-so-true news or that that hasn't been vetted when it's social media. We'd all like to believe that it's real out there, and we'd all like to believe that we're really good about, you know, being able to source, oh, it comes from Reuters or the Associated Press or, well, it's an article from Washington Post. Well, is it an article that you're seeing in your social media feed or is it an op-ed? You know, and I know there's websites like allsides.com that kind of breaks down different news sources on different topics, tells you if based upon user ratings, that site tends to be left, right, center, somewhere on the spectrum as far as uh, bias. Uh, But really, you know, do you want to spend all that time clicking through on stuff? And probably the reality for most of us, uh, you get that confirmational bias. Um, You find the sources that you agree with and you stick with them. Instead of, you know, sourcing out new sources that might be less biased, or at least you understand what the other side is thinking. You know, that's kind of useful. It's almost goes along with one of the things I uh, hear from some friends and all, which is, you know, when they hear one side of a story and then another side of the story and say, where's the truth in the middle? I don't really know about that. I, I, mean, I mean, I'm, again, I think that might be a, a little generous. Because sometimes it's the truth is much closer to one of those edges. And one side is just completely far off. And we're not even talking when you're taking in opinion. So I just want to throw out there, you know, some ideas, you know, as far as when you're looking for news. Consider the source. Consider knowing what the other side is. This is one of the arguments some of the guys on Talk Radio make. Um, where, again, mostly on the conservative side, where they believe And I almost believe this too, to a point, that they feel that they're more up on any given subject because when you look at most of the mainstream media out there, which tend to probably lean a little farther left, and I think numbers and statistics will tell us that, that they have already seen both sides of the story. You might have seen the Fox News side of it, but... In reality, when you look at most of the major mainstream media, they're probably taking a more left-leaning side of view, let alone what they report and how they report, two different things. And thus, you've probably have seen a little bit more than someone who might be only tuned into one given network, an MSNBC or an ABC News or such. But we're not here to judge. We're just here to throw out some ideas talk a little bit about getting information because there's so many sources out there you want to make sure you're careful on where you get your information so that you're getting as good of information as you can but beyond information you should also listen to music and i'm gonna give you a little bit more music right now And just like that, we're back for our last sip segment, everyone. Now, Dana's gone off the hook quite a bit here by not having to do any really uh, big I dare you to. So I don't have a big I dare you to either, except I'm just going to say be good to yourself. You know, cut out of work maybe early one day. Go somewhere, maybe a bookstore where I'd be, might see me there. A book uh, music store, do a little window shopping, get a coffee or tea, especially if you borrow tea from your employees. Don't forget to restock it. Maybe visit some local merchants. I don't know if that's an old time expression of merchants or local store. Keep it local. Uh, but, you know, remember uh, when it comes to this whole thing about life, uh, someone else's quote, not mine, we all are not getting out of this alive. So don't waste your time on, you know, wasted resentment and jealousy and stuff like that. Put your energy to good use. And again, treat yourself well. And that actually be a Dana saying, borrowing from our Parks and Recs people, treat yourself. I couldn't say it better. And in fact, I won't even try. That's where we're going to end a little early here today. Uh, That's all I really have for today. And I want to thank you, of course, uh, for joining us on this episode. There will be more. I want to thank Dana, even though she couldn't join us today, and, of course, thank you, our audience, for tuning in to the What's Brewing Seasfa show. If you have something to say or you have some topics you want us to discuss, email us at wbcisfa at gmail.com. Find this and all What's Brewing CISFA podcasts on Google Podcasts, Rapple Apple Podcasts app, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and the TuneIn app on your Amazon Echo by using Alexa. What's Brewing Seesaw is a production of Studio 1051, a creative collaboration of me and Dana Yarbrough. This has been episode number 126, recorded Friday, September 24th, 2021. Have a great day and have a great weekend.